Hello everyone. Welcome to Spotlight with Shubham. Uh, I am co-founder of Mastera, an all-in-one platform for teachers, coaches and trainers to run and scale their online business. Today on Spotlight we have Jonathan with us. Jonathan is an emotional eating expert, trauma survivor and mentor to online coaches and consultants. Welcome Jonathan. Hey, thanks very much, Ben. It's uh, it's cool to be here, and I was really actually intrigued to find out about your product as well. It sounds like a very cool all-in-one um, solution there. So, thank you. No, excited to be uh, chatting with you today. Um, so, with that, um, so with that uh, Jonathan, tell us about yourself, um, <clears throat> your your background. Yeah, I've had a bit of a crazy kind of life story. Um, I've been, I've had about 11 different careers from like a nanotechnology researcher, Navy Marine engineer, globetrotting English teacher, uh, power line technician, bricks and mortar supplement store, equipment operator in the oil patch, as we call it. Um, and and uh, now an online coach as well as a mentor to, you know, new coaches uh, building their online businesses. And so, uh, yeah, just this crazy sort of diverse background that I would never um I would never expected it, you know, the last 20 years to kind of go. And so, but it's led to having just a wealth, I think of life experience that uh, makes it a good fit to be a coach and a mentor for folks. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm excited to dig into, uh, dig into that uh, background and experience that you have, because it, it definitely sounds very diverse and, and interesting. Um, so with that, um, I, I do want to learn and understand um, when did you decide that you want to be a coach? Um well, it, what's interesting, I think, is is it's always like I think I'm a born coach. I look back and I reflect and realize like this is actually just kind of like wired into my DNA. Um, it, you know, it started from an early age, like teaching friends how to do things, and uh, so I thought I was going to be a teacher actually when I first went to university. Um, I, I also coach sports as well, so I think I have a, I have a really good ability to take difficult or complex information, distill it down, and and present it in a way that's easily understandable. And so, uh, but officially, like when did I go? Uh, as an actual nutrition coach would, would have been uh, 2015 uh, started out uh, because I was partners in a nutrition and supplement store, a bricks and mortar store. And uh, people would just come to me. I, I often joke that I was a bartender without alcohol. So people would come and they would explain all their problems and uh, they would want a supplement to solve their problems. And very often that wasn't the case. And so I just started, ended up uh, offering coaching as a, sort of a, a service to go along with what we we're doing in that business. And then ultimately that business failed, cost me a whole lot of money. <laughs> and, uh, but I went exclusively online in, in 2018 as an online coach. And then in 2020 started out mentoring as well. Got it. Got it. Okay, no, that's great. And and you do uh, emotional. So going back to mm. the 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 whole um, nutrition part, so you do emotional yeah. e- eating coaching slash uh, consulting. So you're an expert in that area. So, so mm. talk to us um, more about that. That what is that and how, how yeah. you? Yeah, well, I think I think every every moment we go to eat has, has some emotional component to it, and so it's it's inevitable. Um, I you won't ever find me saying food is just fuel um, because I think of history and culture and celebration and family and human connection. And, you know, so there, there's so many different elements to it, but uh, we, li- we live in a world that really drives us to eat using food as what I call an emotional anesthetic. And uh, really a lot of my work is born of my own personal experience as well. So I went through trauma and um, you know, we can explore that maybe in a different episode just for the sake of time. But uh, the result of going through trauma was really, I became a binge eating food addict. And so I was using food to try to cope with the fallout from going through a traumatic experience. And so as such, I gained a significant amount of weight uh, in a short window of time and then spent a number of years struggling to lose that weight, you know, going through diets and supplements and uh, different workout and training programs and things. And I couldn't seem to 
get any results that stick. And so I joke that I've lost over 600 pounds uh, because I've lost and gained weight multiple times in my efforts to, to lose weight and keep it off. So it wasn't really until I started to understand more about behavioral psychology that I realized the issue was not an information problem. So we live in the age of Google. If information was the issue, Google would have solved all of our problems, but it turns out that's not the case. And so there's a, there's a gap between what we know and what we do and how do we bridge that gap? And so really I've tried to create a solution um, to that problem, which really leads into kind of my theory around what I call brain-driven weight loss. Sure. And uh, yeah, I was, I was wanting to actually talk about that as well. So, so yeah, um, what, what is that? <laughs> well, really like all behaviors originate in the brain. And so we want to, we want to understand why we do what we do. So um, we look at like the different areas of the brain. So we have our prefrontal cortex. That's the front part of our brain. So when we tap our forehead and think the front of our mind, we're actually talking about what's known as the neocortex or prefrontal cortex in particular. That's the part of our brain for cognitive reasoning. And we weigh the consequences of our decisions. So, hey, should I jump off this cliff or not? The emotional brain goes, yeah, woohoo, this will be amazing. It'll be a super thrill. And then the rational brain goes, huh, you might die. Maybe you shouldn't do this. You know, mm -hmm. and so there's this tug of war that takes place between these two areas of our brain. We need we need both, um, but as time goes on, um, we often find that our emotional brain dominates versus our, our our sort of thinking brain, if you will. And so a lot of efforts to create weight loss really are fighting against our brain and how our brain works. And ultimately, it's like, well, if we want to create change that sticks, because sure, we can starve you for three months. We can put you in a metaphorical dietary straitjacket to starve you. But what do we do when we take that straitjacket off? You go right back to your old patterns of behavior. And then we tend to start blaming ourselves. I'm a bad person, no willpower, all this kind of stuff. So we go, okay, well, how do we, how do we solve this? How do we solve this where it doesn't become you're a bad person with no discipline and no willpower? And we understand actually it's your brain trying to solve problems through these behavior patterns. And then how do we change them so they stick? And so that really has formed the foundation of what I call Lifestyle 180, uh, which is, is, is my, <coughs> <excuse> me, <coughs> my flagship nutrition coaching program where I guide people through this process. And along the way, we're going to screw up. And, and whenever we try to create change, inevitably, we're going to screw up. And that's where coaching becomes a really valuable part of it as well. So helping guide people through, because change, like I, I say, like um, relapse is as natural to change as exhaling is to breathing. In other words, when we try to create change, we're going to relapse into old behaviors. It's how our brain works. So without going too much deep, like that in, in a kind of a nutshell is working with our brain to create permanent change so that when we lose the weight, it actually sticks versus temporary solutions that don't produce lasting results. That sounds uh, phenomenal and, and pretty exciting because, uh, yeah, the way you have, you're approaching it is very, uh, very scientific. Uh, that's mm -hmm. that's what it, it sounds like. And a lot of people actually um, go, do not approach in that way. So, so that's, mm. that's amazing. Um, you're kind of trying to, the root cause of that. So, I was, so, say, so, yeah, I was sorry, going to say, in, in a nutshell, here's what I do. I marry the science of metabolism with the psychology of behavior change and the compassion of human connection. You put those three things together, you get life-changing results for people. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. So, so I, I want to dig a little bit deeper into that because I think from a, uh, from an understanding standpoint, that, that makes sense. Uh, now, from a practical application standpoint, mm -hmm. um, how do you work with your clients on this? Uh, I'm, I'm very curious to to know that let's say there is someone who wants to lose 50 pounds yeah. uh, just just walk us through that uh, how do you work with clients yeah i think the first thing is to start to learn their backstory so everyone has a unique story and so someone comes to me and says hey i want to lose 50 pounds i'm like cool i want to figure out how you get 50 pounds overweight first and so i think that's a really important element of it and it's not you know it's you know, we often want to blame ourselves but it's, i want to understand more about your story about your circumstances what has led you to the behavior patterns that cause you to overeat and gain weight then we can look at creating uh, sort of a path for you to go down, a structured path for you to go down, where we're going to unwire some of these old behaviors and wire in new behavior patterns. And so 
you know, a lot of my work um, has some basis in like James Clear's work with atomic habits. So working with the habit formation part of our brain, which I think is really, really valuable. But there's another really essential component that I touched on. That's the compassion of human connection. So when we feel judged about our mistakes and our, and our unhelpful behaviors, we want to hide those behaviors. So there's no desire to change because that behavior solves the problem. So when we bring judgment into it, like, hey, you're stupid. Why are you doing this? You should know better and so on. Somebody wants to hide the behavior. They don't want to change the behavior. On the other hand, if I say, well, you've had a hard day, you might as well just keep slamming that you know, bottle of wine you're working on. Well, that's called enabling. So I don't really help him. So compassion is, hey, let's understand why you're drinking this bottle of wine on a Tuesday afternoon instead of you know, doing something more productive. So compassion allows us to look at behavior patterns without the lens of judgment. And in doing that, where we can bring this into our awareness, we can create change. So I'll throw one more little nugget out there. Our brain processes in the neighborhood of 11 million bits of information per second. Like that's just mind boggling to that's think amazing. about. That's amazing. Yeah. Our brain is amazing, but we can't consciously be aware of 11 million bits of information per second. Our brain, we just run around screaming. <laughs> There's no way we could process that. So most of what happens is an autopilot. So our brain has to figure out what do I filter into my conscious awareness and what do I filter out of my conscious awareness. Now, if we try to create a diet, a diet requires a lot of conscious attention. And it gets harder as time goes on because it continues to require a conscious attention to try to apply all these really difficult and strict rules. And so as time goes on, it gets harder and harder and harder until we throw up our hands and say, I can't keep doing this. So we want to think about, is there a way that we can start with conscious attention, but make this easier and easier? So as time goes on, it becomes more and more natural, a way of living or a lifestyle. And I think that's where, that's where the work becomes really, really powerful. Got it. So I know that those are like amazing concepts there. Um, in that in that short short duration that you threw, so um, I want to dig a little deeper into that compassion part. So, mm -hmm. so, so, so help me understand that uh, is is that is that the coach uh, is that the role mm -hmm. of the coach to bring that compassion, or are you kind of are yes. teaching your clients to somehow enable compassion uh, within themselves? So, so I think both actually, which is a really great question, <clears throat> because like when I when I was really struggling with my own weight loss, I really didn't have self compassion. I would beat myself up, negative self talk. I would say horrible things about myself and to myself. And many people struggle with this. So what's happening is when we don't understand why we're doing what we're doing, like let's say somebody who smokes, like everybody knows that smoking is unhealthy, but some people feel this overwhelming compulsion and urge to smoke. And they might think, I don't know why I keep doing this when I know it's killing me. You know, and they might, I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. Why can't I do this? And so on. So our brain tries to create an explanation for our behavior patterns and very rarely does it involve compassion. So we beat ourselves up as a way to relieve the guilt. So I've committed a metaphorical crime by doing something bad. So now I have to beat myself up in order to pay the price to relieve my guilt, if I can put it that way. So that, right. that, doesn't, that doesn't move us forward. So compassion, what it does is it says, again, we're going to understand why you do this. So we're not gonna, we're not gonna create a story that you're an idiot or that you're dumb or that you have no willpower or things like that. We're just gonna actually understand it from a brain-based perspective why this behavior pattern is occurring. And when we remove judgment, now by removing judgment, we relieve the guilt because the beating yourself up, that was about relieving the guilt. Well, compassion relieves the guilt, but it opens the door for you to move forward and create change. Now, the other thing to think about from a primal brain perspective, we are wired to try to keep ourselves alive and safe and secure. So when we go to create change, it involves becoming vulnerable or feeling unsafe and insecure. Now, when we try to do this by ourselves, our primal brain puts up a lot of resistance because I don't want to become vulnerable and feel unsafe. It's risky. But when we connect to a coach, a safe human being who has your back, it's like, okay, this coach is now making it safe because they're, they got my back. They're making it safe for me to create change. Got it. No, so, so that's, that's pretty yeah. uh, phenomenal that 
uh, it's his welfare. So I'm actually, I'm curious, where, where did you and how did you learn all of this? So this is a pretty solid information. <laughs> <out> there. <laughs> um, I think a lot of self-study, um, I, I have to give credit some coaches that I've worked with as well. Um, you know, uh, five, five years ago, I worked with a really phenomenal coach who I say he really modeled for me compassion. I thought he, you know, I wanted to look like him. I wanted to have a physique like he did. And so I thought, well, if I could just look like him, maybe I'll be happy finally, you know, and he modeled for me what compassion looks like. So when I would screw up and struggle, he didn't yell at me or talk down to me or beat me up or all the things I was doing to myself. He just looked to understand. So that experience kind of taught me about it. Um, but then my, it sort of piqued my curiosity because I actually have a background in marketing psychology. I often don't pull that out, but uh, marketing psychology is really about understanding um, purchasing decisions or decisions to take actions. And so now I joke, I'm using my powers for good in terms of helping people understand our, our, our behavior patterns from a different perspective. And I, I joke that, look, the difference between um, manipulation and persuasion is intent. It's really the two sides of the same coin, right? Um, helping people to make decisions and choices around things or influence the decisions they make. Um, so I think a, a lot of self-study and uh, if I could say, so I've got a pretty good brain, like, and I can't take the credit. I got it free of charge, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> um, but I, I was born with a pretty good brain. Like I have an analytical engineering brain, but I also have a really compassionate, empathetic side. And so I'm like an empathetic engineer. And uh, so it's a really, it's, it's hard to replicate, but it's actually a really cool and kind of unique skill set that I have. So um, it, it's, I, and I used to have to be so uncomfortable saying that because I was yeah. afraid, like, why, I don't want to talk about what I'm good at. What are people going to think about if I, if I, but you know, we all have gifts, we all have something we're yeah. good at, but right. you know, why are we so afraid to acknowledge our gifts and actually use them for good? Absolutely. No. And, and it's pretty, pretty visible right away that you have, you have a gift that uh, you, 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 you have uh, soaked in all that knowledge and, and now, <laughs> yeah. now you're helping other folks. And, and I think that's where the compassion sort of part comes in from your mm -hmm. personality also where you're, you're, you're wanting to help other folks and, and sort of make a difference in their lives. So that's amazing. So uh, on that, uh, curious, uh, what type of clients do you work with? Uh, is, is there yeah. a sort of a criteria that you have? That I, I would say like I, in one sense, I'm open to working with just about anybody who is willing to create change. But if I look at who is primarily attracted to my messaging, which to me was really interesting because I didn't expect this, but it's mostly um, female executives over 40. So those who, who are balancing family life and professional life and usually have a high stress position, um, they're, they're usually type A personalities, very capable, but as a result, they often are using things like food and alcohol and wine in particular to help them deal with the stress of balancing everything they're trying to balance. And so it just becomes a slow creep, steady creep of kind of weight gain because there's a lot of pressure on women today. It's not really fair. There's a pressure to be like, you know, a super professional, a super mom and, and looks in a supermodel, just, you know, yeah. and yeah. so helping them and, and, and often like mothers in particular are very selfless. Motherhood is an extremely selfless um, I don't know, vocation, profession, what, you know, it's just, it's the most important like occupation this world has is motherhood. And right. so there's a lot of pressure. And, and I think there's, there's a, there's something about my ability to use my analytical brain, but also sort of my emotional intelligence to connect with them in a way that just seems to click. And uh, it wasn't what I expected. I thought I was going to mostly help guys because I'm a guy. Yeah. But it just turns out that my messaging really sticks with them because I can help them from a professional standpoint because I'm a, I'm a professional, I'm an entrepreneur, I've been in business for a number of years. So I, I can help them from that perspective, but I can also help them understand their behaviors and, and connect all of the dots. No, that makes sense. And uh, curious, uh, do, uh, do most of your clients are looking for weight loss only or, mm -hmm. or is most most like um, just nutrition part? I think weight loss is usually the first thing, but I often say okay. that weight loss is a proxy goal. So the economy is saying, I want to lose weight that's what they're sort of conditioned by society and media and whatever, like weight loss is what you should pursue. But we want to dig a bit deeper and go, what is this really about? You know, how will your life be different if you lose the weight? And so I often say that weight loss is a doorway. It's not a destination. 
So you lose the weight, you go through that doorway, you're now say 30, 40, 50, 60 pounds lighter. What's different? And why do you want to be there? Because you have to have a good reason because to lose this weight, it's going to be challenging. We've been sold that weight loss should be fast and easy. And the truth is it's not. We have a biology that's wired to make us fat and sedentary. And we have a world that's engineered to make us fat and sedentary. So we have a double whammy that we're up against. And so we go, how do we counter that? How do we work with that? So that's one of the biggest challenges we face. And so weight loss is very often the proxy goal. But what we really want to find out is what I call the emotionally compelling reason. The real reason why you're willing to be uncomfortable to go through this change. Got it. Got it. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of like hidden reasons there, like confidence, society, and yeah. uh, stuff yeah. like that, especially when someone is at an executive sort of role, mm, they want absolutely. to be like, out there and feel confident. Confidence, energy, like physical appearance matters. We've got two eyeballs for a reason, right? Like right. <laughs> we could pretend it doesn't matter, but it does, you know, be, um, but it, it shouldn't matter in the way that we've been conditioned to, like the way that sort of media has, has portrayed what women are supposed to look like. It's, it's a totally unrealistic and unfair standard. But at the same token, when we are actively seeking to improve our health, our confidence goes up naturally because we know we're, we're investing in ourselves and that gives us confidence even the act of doing that makes sense makes a lot of sense awesome no that's that's great um another thing um, maybe shifting gears a little bit because yeah. uh, you did touch that uh, um you started businesses and you are running your own business so so we'd love to actually start with uh, a little background and knowing uh, you mentioned that you did start your business in 2015 i guess 2016 and mm -hmm. then uh, sort of uh, had a failure so, so so talk to us about that what did you learn from that and 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 uh, what was the outcome of that? If you're comfortable, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, what did I learn from that? Uh, to be more thoughtful about who I might consider partnering with. Um, I, see. I I was in business with someone who, with my understanding of psychology, this is my armchair diagnosis, but that this individual is a narcissistic sociopath, and this is not a, a slander of the individual; it's a recognition of their behavior patterns. Mm. So. And now that I know more of his backstory, I understand why he behaves the way he does. Again, it's not to excuse the behavior, but I, I'm one of many business and business partnerships that he has ruined. He's ruined financially a number of different people. The behavior pattern continues. And so there's a common thread there. And so I, but I didn't know how to look for this. And, and I was struggling. Like I have this great head of knowledge as you, as you sort of see, but I didn't really have any confidence and belief in myself. And he appeared to have everything I wanted to appear. And when he approached me about this partnership, you know, he was so confident about how it was all going to work and be amazing and so on. And so I went into it rather kind of naively in one sense. And uh, I was being taken advantage of without really realizing my wife picked up on this way before I did, but I was in denial about the whole thing happening because I was so emotionally as well as financially invested in this business succeeding. And so right. I stuck it out for longer than I should have to try and at least get something back. But ultimately, you know, there's other shady business dealing, shady accounting and stuff like that going on. And, uh, you know, at a certain, at a certain point, uh, bailiff showed up and um, said, you know, we're, we're putting a lock on this business if like, you know, rent doesn't get paid kind of thing. And I'm like, where's the money been going? Like, I thought it was supposed to be going to pay rent. Like, where is this money? You know, yeah. and, and so at that point, I realized it became abundantly clear that like, you know, the thing that I was fearing, but in denial about was actually real. And ultimately, I had to walk away. And it cost me more, more than a hundred thousand dollars. Like it was a very, you know, that, that's a lot of money to lose in my yeah, world. Absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. But, but, you know, there's something liberating about like really losing everything. So I'd hung on because of fear. What happens if I lose everything until it was ripped away from me? And I was like, oh, well, this really sucks. But now I'm going to, the door is open for me to do that thing that I was afraid of doing. Cause I just, I can't go back and be an employee. I just don't want to do that. And so I started, I said, I already have a client base. People already know who I am. They already, they already know me from the store. I'm just going to transition and start building this online business thing. And, and that's, and that's really what I did. It was a lot of trial and error, a lot of screwing things up along the way. So I, I would say really we're more resilient than we realize, and we can bounce back from difficult experiences that we're like, so afraid of. And, you know, maybe if I'm in a bad situation, like don't, don't try to stick it out out of, out of fear, 
you know, but, you know, trust, trust uh, my, my gut, my intuition. That's amazing. No, that's this great story. Thanks for sharing that. And, mm-hmm. and I guess uh, a lot of folks can learn uh, from that, just that story that if, if you're a corner and if you're in that sort of spot, just believe in yourself and mm-hmm. kind of uh, push back. And, and I'm sure the great things that can come out of it. Um, sure. Awesome. So, uh, so, and, and I think that, uh, that led you to, because you were, you succeeded on the online space, mm-hmm. I guess that led you to also start coaching other yeah. folks who wanted wanted to get into online coaching. So talk to us more about it. And, and actually, uh, if you want to talk about your your book uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as well, the, uh, the where you help help people launch yeah. their online coaching business in twenty eight days. So so that'd be great. Yeah, I, I wrote an ebook called the Twenty Eight Day Coach, um, just to show people how to build and launch a basic online business in twenty eight days or less. Because it feels like a really daunting, scary kind of thing to do. But there's, and I've actually created a whole series of courses on it too. I've got one called like Launch Ready in Twenty Four Hours, where I show you how to put. I call it like a, it's like a guest house, you know, and a, a property you might have or a granny flat. Um, how to put together a basic functioning business using only free software while you build nice. your actual digital scalable infrastructure, and. Um, so I think about building a business kind of in, in four stages. And actually, how I got into this originally was just someone approached me and said, hey, you know, you're running a successful business. Can you show me what you did? I was like, okay, but if I'm going to show you, I might as well put together a course. And so I put, right. I put together this course showing this individual how I did that. And then people, and kind of word of mouth, um, really, uh, about, hey, like, and, and so, because it wasn't really in my plans to kind of start mentoring people. But mentoring and coaching are very similar. And I have a lot of, like, good sort of insight in our own business. So. I look at building a business in kind of four stages. We build a foundation. So we want to understand who we serve, why, what is the problem we solve? What's the reason the business exists? That's really, really important. And who are we solving that problem for? That becomes the foundation of the business. Well, the next thing is, so we have this promise. I'll get you from point A to point B if you pay me this sum of money. That's, that's you know, basic business. Um, then we go, okay, well, how do we, how do we serve? How do we act on that promise? Well, we've got to build out a digital infrastructure. Well, what's that going to look like in terms of how are you going to fulfill those promises? So we look at, you know, um, basically... The, the client experience on, on your end. So how is your business going to function? And then we look at um, sort of what I would call maybe the interior design or the fin- finishing touches. So if we're using our house analogy, we wouldn't just bring people into a skeleton house frame. We would actually put finishing touches in there. We would put, you know, paint and flooring and, and drywall and covers and all that. So I consider that to be like the client experience. So what is it like for people to first get a touch point with your business, the first time they become aware that you even exist? Because most people have no idea you exist, you know, all the way to them paying you money and then telling other people about you. So in the SaaS world, there's uh, pirate metrics. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term. Um, yeah, I am. Yeah. Right. So it's 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 awareness activation. Uh, sorry, awareness acquisition activation revenue retention referrals. Um, and I, I modified it slightly so it's more like a, a dog. It's like ar ar ar. So it's more like a dog, you know, <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. to fit like the coaching model. But it's basically the same sort of idea, right? So that was Dave McClure, I think, is the guy that coined that term. So and then finally, you have a housewarming party. So you don't build this house and not tell people you built this house. And that's the hardest part for people sometimes is how do I communicate or how do I make people aware that I exist and that I'm doing this without being salesy and spammy and all that kind of stuff? What's, what are ways that I can create opportunities to start conversations with people about this? No, that's, that's awesome. And I, I'm assuming all of this is in your ebook. Um, it is. Yeah. It's, it's listed out there. That's, that's amazing. And uh, just curious, where can uh, people find the book if they want to? Yeah, uh, it's, it's actually uh, John McLernan. So J-O-N. M-C-L-E-R-N-O-N dot link, L-I-N-K slash 28 dash day dash coach. So we can put the link in the show notes, but uh, John McLernan dot link slash 28 day coach. Um, Perfect. And that, I'll that, share that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that'll take you to a sign up page where I capture your email address and spam you 24 hours. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll send you, I'll send you an email and, and, and send you a copy of the book. Um, 
and, and yeah. I, I don't charge for it. I originally wrote it because I was gonna I was gonna sell it. Um, but I've just decided to give it away for people because you know I think honestly the best way to show to people that I can help them is to actually help them. And they go, okay, well I want to know more because you can only cover so much in a book. And, and then you're gonna have questions. Well, how do I make this work for me and my business and my unique frame and so on and so forth? And that's really where the coaching and the mentorship part of it comes in. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so so you work with all these folks who, who want to go uh, and become online mm. coaches. You you help set up their online business. So uh, what is the out of all those four verticals or four things that mm -hmm. you mentioned or other things, what is the hardest part that you have seen or which part that most people struggle with the most? I'm going to say the foundation. foundation. Yeah. So figuring out what is the problem that we solve that people are willing to pay us for, you know, um, because in the, in the world of online, I say, you know, you have to either solve a very specific problem or you have to work with a very specific demographic. If you, the challenge is, is if you try to be everything to everyone and say in the world of health, fitness, or life coaching, like you're vanilla and we're afraid to like niche down or get like really specific about who we work with, especially in the beginning, because we're like, yeah, but I'm going to be excluding people who might pay me money. Right. And it's like, I understand the fear, but the thing is, is like, if you have a problem with your brain, do you want to see a neurologist or do you want to see a general physician? Well, you're going to want to see the neurologist, right? And you understand right. that seeing a specialist is going to, you know, so getting, getting really, really specific around that is usually the hardest part for people because it means um, trimming away and excluding people you may not work with. But the truth is, and this is just speaking from years of working with hundreds of clients, like you do yourself a favor long-term when you say, I'm not working with, you know, if a power lifter comes to me and says, hey, I want to, uh, you know, I want to get stronger and I have the knowledge to help that person, but I have no interest in working with that person. Mm -hmm. Even if they offered me money, I'm not going to take them on as a client. I'm going to point them to a powerlifting coach rather than working with me because it's not, it's not really my area of passion and expertise. Because if you, if you get a bunch of clients that just, especially a bunch of sort of jumbled clients, a mixed bag of clients, you really can't scale or systemize that. And so right. it's, you know, you want to eventually, because I mean, most people build a business to create freedom, not to just create more work for themselves. And so mm -hmm. we also want to keep the idea of systemization and scalability in mind. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so that, uh... That that initial foundation, uh, to your point, is is the hardest part. Which which I I can totally see. Like I have started multiple businesses, and I can yeah. I can see that uh, <laughs> there's always this fear of losing money on the table. Like there's money on the yeah. table, and I'm going to lose that money. Um, yeah. So there's a fear there, which which is not always true. So so just focusing and uh, mm. kind of starting out, I think, is is, is the key thing. And also, I, I guess it goes back to really figuring out how you go from one to ten to hundred. And then figure figure out that how you go from hundred to thousand because if if yeah. if you are all already thinking of one to thousand, that's where the struggle comes uh, yes. with most people. Yeah, yeah. It, it's um uh, like people look at the business that I have and, and think like, wow, uh, I, I want that business. I'm like, cool. It's taken me a number of years to build this and get to this point, <laughs> right? It's, right. Uh, right? It didn't happen overnight. And if you try to make that leap, like you said, from one to a thousand, you're going to struggle because it's it's you're making your business overly complex for for what it needs. I'm I'm really a proponent of like minimal complexity the simpler it is the more scalable it is we only introduce maybe a piece of software or technology where it's going to improve your efficiency and scalability not just because it's a shiny cool tool right awesome makes sense um so uh so yeah with, with that um uh, that 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 has been great great knowledge uh it has been great talking to you uh mm. any any further advice for um any any final words of wisdom that you want to share uh with yeah. folks who are who are, who are about to start their business or who are wanting to scale their online coaching business. Yeah. Well, if you're going to, if you're going to start, um, don't feel like you have to do it all at once. Don't be ashamed to have a side hustle first while you have some secure income. Cause that'll give you the peace of mind. Cause I, I worked a couple of different jobs 
um, when I was first getting this up and running. So I was at one point, I was a parking supervisor at a local arena for like our, our, our hockey team. And what it was, I, I got paid like, you know, 20 bucks an hour to sit in a van and sort of oversee the cashiers and clerks and things and get called over if there's any problems. What it meant was while I was on somebody else's dime getting paid, I could be on my phone creating social media content. So right. I was getting paid to create content. So when we reframe this, that you're not a failure, if like you have to have a side hustle or if this is a side hustle and you have to have a second job to support while you're building this business up, that's totally okay. And then when it comes to scaling, it's like, get help, get mentorship. You can try to, you probably could figure this all out on your own. And it's going to be a super long, difficult, uncomfortable curve with a lot of mistakes that could be avoided if you were to get help and mentorship. That makes sense. Yeah, no, uh, I use, uh, use coaches and mentors all along the way, wherever you struggle, uh, if it's weight loss, uh, or yeah, uh, any yeah. other personal development or business side. So, so there are coaches out there and there's help out there. Just go, go tap, tap onto that. Um, awesome. Well, um, Jonathan, it was great talking to you. I, I really appreciate you, uh, you, you getting on, on this podcast today. I hope uh, our listeners will have pretty solid takeaways and, and do check out his book, 28, 28 Day Coach. That's the one, yeah. 28 Day Coach. Do check, check out that book. Um, I am also going to post that link in the description um, so, so that you guys can, uh, can, can find that ebook pretty easily. Um, with that, um, thanks, Jonathan. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll chat again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. So it's-